You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You're listening to the Archaeology Show. TAS goes behind the headlines to bring you the real stories about archaeology and the history around us. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Archaeology Show, episode 230. On today's show, we talk about the three-part age system. Let's dig a little deeper, but be sure to stop at every stop along the way. (laughs) It's not always funny. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Good. All right. I'm going to remind you guys just one more time that if you want to see our ugly faces that are made for podcasting, well, mine anyway, Rachel's is made Excuse for video. Excuse me. I yeah. disagree with that. I know. For me anyway. Rachel's got a video face, but I definitely have a podcasting face, which is why I run a podcast network. But anyway, we are on <laughs> YouTube. Go check out Archaeology Podcast Network on YouTube. Just search for us. At some point, I will actually refresh the show notes and like maybe put a link to that in there. Oh, wow. Smart idea. So, and, and here's the thing too. If you prefer to listen on YouTube or I guess watch on YouTube, mm-hmm. You can actually subscribe to it because they're in YouTube as podcast, which you can now subscribe to. Oh, so yeah. YouTube has like a podcast setting, basically. It's a, exactly. Oh, so I create a playlist okay. and I have a choice to do just like a regular old playlist with videos in it or a podcast playlist, mm-hmm. which can be subscribed to. That's cool. So it will presumably do all the normal things like alert you when a new one comes up in that feed and stuff like that. Honestly, I don't even know. Yeah, we should so, try like subscribing to our own podcast on YouTube. I would never subscribe goes. to this show. So <laughs> anyway, oh, I judge anyone that subscribes to our show. Oh my God. Yeah, I do not. You guys so are, are you now? telling them not to subscribe to our show. No. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what you heard, but that was wrong. Okay, got it. Okay. (laughs) So, we are still up in Washington State. I know the rest of the country is just suffering a heat wave, and Washington thinks they are too, even though the the max is like 90, which is hot for up here. (laughs) It is very hot for up here. It's breaking records. But it is kind of crazy to like go to somewhere on the map up here, and it's like excessive heat warning. 88 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> I know the rest, rest of the company is like, seriously. Country, yeah. Not company. I Although saw, it is. You, it's a company. Yeah. Yeah. This is you a company. do that all the time. I do. Yeah. That's like your thing. All right. <laughs> yep. At least I don't call it the country of Africa, though. That's uh, definitely something people do. The company of Africa? Country of oh, Africa. Con- oh, yeah, yeah. Right. People do that. People do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Africa's more than just, you more, know, yes. one country. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well. Speaking of things that are more than one thing, the ages of our past and history are multiple multiple things. Yes. So we're going to take a chance today to break down just kind of three of those with a with a one or two extras thrown in. Yeah. But we're going to break down three of these because they're the most common terms that people probably hear in relation to prehistory. Yeah, I think this. And we're going to be talking about the three part age system, which is stone, iron, and bronze. And I think the reason we wanted to do this is because it doesn't it feel like journalists use those words as hooks in oh, yeah. in article titles. Like I feel like we see it a lot. Yeah. Even like recently, like we had some articles that were like, you know, Bronze Age this or Iron Age that. And yeah. it just got me thinking, like, why are we so stuck on those terms? Are they accurate? Are they still good? Are they still valid? Should we still be using them? Really was well, what it boils down to for me. Yeah. And the big thing is when somebody uses a term like that, that what is what is it actually what is it supposed to convey yeah like it's supposed to be a shortcut to tell you something about the society they're talking about right but does that even work yeah does it work is is the yeah. big question here and 
to really understand the answer to that question, you kind of have to start with like, where does it come from? Right. So the three part age system was developed in the 1820s. So it's been around for a while and it was by a guy named Christian Jorgensen Thompson. And basically he had like a whole bunch of artifacts and he wanted to organize them. Like that's the super basic, like origins of it. And that was up in Copenhagen in Denmark. Yeah. Yeah, he had a lot of stuff up there in what was it called Library Hall Mm -hmm. in the Round Tower. It sounds like a really cool place. It does sound very cool. Yeah. It was like a budding collection, basically. Mm -hmm. And it would eventually develop into the National Museum of Denmark in Copenhagen. So Mm -hmm. it did become a big thing eventually. But in these beginning stages, it was just like, you know, a cool collection, but a wide range of stuff. And he wanted to, you know, assign something to it, category to it yeah yeah his goal was to collect items from norway denmark and other areas around there that were basically under danish rule which was you know yeah relatively substantial back in the day that was the goal of the collection it wasn't necessarily his goal yeah yeah. he was sort of just managing the artifacts as they came in right and this is really funny he he took over the collection in 1816 there's no order to any of these artifacts and he was kind of just like a gentleman volunteer and like he had no experience no knowledge (laughs) He just didn't know anything about antiquities or prehistoric anything, but he learned. And in his sort of desire to organize these things, he created this three age system and it was a way to catalog everything that he had to keep track of. Yeah, for sure. And it's a good initial starting point. Mm -hmm. And the ages he, of course, came up with is what we're talking about today. The Stone Age, the Bronze Age and the Iron Age in that order is generally how things go. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll talk about that in a little bit. So the first one, the Stone Age, is, is one we've, you know sort of unintentionally talked about quite a bit on this show yeah. when we're talking about lots of different things. And I would say the the dates for all these are a little bit suspect, but mm. the initial yeah. date on this one is even like a little bit suspect because yeah. it's 3.4 million years ago to about yeah. 2000 BC. Like that is the biggest time range ever. Well, <laughs> and it's not wrong. It's when people were using stone tools, but the further back we push the stone tool threshold, yeah. the further back that date's going to go. And of course, People didn't stop using stone tools at 2000 BCE. They may have in the Denmark area. Yeah. You know, they were probably still using stone tools a little later on, but this is when that was the predominant tool, right? But I I find it hard to believe that they had shifted from stone tools predominantly to something else by even 2000 BC. Yeah, for sure. Maybe in some other places, like for sure, like Egypt and stuff like that. Yeah. But... I don't know. It, there's, there's no hard line between yeah. these ages, which is sort of what becomes one of the problems with them is that yeah. they don't like drop a stone tool one day, pick up a bronze tool and like <laughs> move forward. You know, it just that and that right there, like kind of defines what the, the problem is. Yeah. And also with the 3.4 million years ago age oldest age mark that wasn't something that thompson necessarily said. I don't think he, he could even like fathom going back that far. Sure. It's just sort of how people look at it today mm-hmm. and then again there's still problems with it because it's so regional and it's like well what era are you talking about yeah. we don't go back to 3.4 million years ago in everywhere in the world so right, right. yet another problem that we'll get to with Indeed. it <laughs> yep and then the next one is the bronze age uh-huh. and that again is an overlapping date a little bit yeah. even for denmark but 3300 to about 300 bce and bronze is essentially the mixture of copper and tin yeah. right and then you're you're producing things out of that you're smelting copper and tin together and then you're you're producing things out of that and that makes bronze and mm-hmm. that's going to come into play a little bit later yep yeah and then the iron age goes from 1200 bce to 550 ce 
Yeah. But again, we have to just note here, first of all, these are not the exact ages that Thompson created. He just figured out the chronology and didn't necessarily assign these specific ages. And everything here is very approximate. It's super regional. It's generally not agreed on. There's sources that <laughs> list wildly different age ranges all over the place. So yeah. we just sort of like took what we were seeing most commonly from the different sources we were looking at and and created these age ranges based on that. So right. even ours, this is not the be all end all of what these age ages represent. So don't think that. They're very, very approximate. Don't and come even, for us, please. <laughs> I know. And even even Thompson said that, right? Yeah. He, he agreed that they were very broad categories and that they likely occurred at different times in different places, which mm-hmm. makes total sense, right? Yeah. yeah. Obviously, he was very focused on Denmark and Norway because that's where their artifacts were coming from. This early system was most applicable to the humans that were occupying Europe and specifically like Northern Europe. Like yeah. that's really where this made the most sense. One thing we'll find out in segment two is that if this had been developed somewhere else outside of Europe, we may not even have a Bronze Age. They may be different ages entirely. Yeah, right. In fact, we had an episode, I don't know, several episodes ago, talking about a possible bamboo age. Yeah, that's you know, right. Yeah. Over in Asia. So, yeah, yeah that was, that's crazy. And, and it just depends on regionally, what was the predominant material that mm-hmm. was being used? You know, which kind of begs the question, why isn't there a pottery age, you know? Well, and that that is something that he does kind of address. And, and it's sort of what makes his system, Thompson, his system different from what other people were, do, were doing at the same time. And he was trying to look at the artifacts in context with each other, which is actually mm-hmm. a really good thing to do because you never want to pull out one thing. You need to look at what's going on, everything together. Yeah. And so, for example, the Stone Age is not only identified by stone tools, but he also noted that there was amber, pottery, mm-hmm. and glass beads. And you didn't see that stuff. Those combination of artifacts were only found together in this age. Sure. So, and then moving forward, you know, bronze was found with both iron and gold. Mm-hmm. So, but you couldn't call it the Iron Age yet because you had bronze and gold. But then silver, going forward, some more silver if you found it was only found in connection with iron. So like if you have silver on a site, then you can say it's an iron age site. So like the things that happened in the previous or the earlier ages got carried forward into the other ages. It's just whether or not these other things are present and in context with each other, if that makes sense. It's kind of hard to think about it. And and again, what makes it a new age is when, something else is predominantly being used. It doesn't say that the other things were not being used. Yeah. Of course, we're still working bronze today. Oh, yeah. We're, and I, iron. We, we ate know? off of pottery plates for breakfast this morning. Exactly. You know? So, like, and, it's still things that we do. Yeah. We're in the digital age, yeah. if that's a thing. <laughs> right. And, you know, but we're still using all of these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, people definitely, you know, post-bronze age, we're still making bronze things, of course. Yeah. Bronze sculptures and all kinds of bronze things. Mm-hmm. So, but it wasn't necessarily the new technology that was predominantly being used for for other things yeah so i would say the only thing that may have fallen out of favor for some societies especially in cities and things like that would be stone tools yeah yeah probably. you had other stuff just taking the place of that and stone tools are so easy to break that if you have something that's stronger and better to use like bronze or iron then i think mm-hmm. that it would be an easy replacement for people to move on and start using a different material that is stronger and better and gets the job done faster easier cheaper all of that that's why innovation yeah. happens you know So other things that Thompson noted when he was looking at creating these ages is he found that the types of grave goods could 
vary between the burial types that are associated with each of these ages. Yeah. And again, examples, stone tools were found with uncremated corpses and stone chamber tools. So that would be sort of what you would see in Northern Europe in the Stone Age. Again, it's very regional. This is just what he noted in his region when he's creating these ages. Mm-hmm. And then bronze weapons were found in relation to stone schist graves, which again is indicative of that time period in that place. Mm-hmm. And then iron weapons were found with chamber tombs in barrows, which is just another burial type. And it's associated with Iron Age societies. So, yeah. yeah. So you can kind of use the the context of the tombs that these weapons are coming out of yeah. in order to help sort of narrow in on the characteristics of the society, basically. Yeah, I think we're going to start an archaeology show book, book club. Mm. And the first one is going to be the 1836 page turner, the illustrated <laughs> monograph, Guide to Northern Antiquity, <laughs> and in which Thompson describes the nuances of the system. So yeah, I'm I sure think, it's uh, quite the page turner. I think that's going to be first for sure. <laughs> yeah. So you'll have six years to read it. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah I don't. Is there Cliff's Notes? Because <laughs> that's kind of yeah. what I'm going to need of that one. Yeah. yeah. But it's crazy. I mean... I don't know if you saw when his dates of living were. Why did I say it that way? <laughs> what were his dates of living? <laughs> when did he die? I'm wondering. I, because uh, I don't know. <laughs> because this became widely adopted by the 1860s. Like yeah. People were just latching onto it. Because most of archaeology, let's face it, was being done in Europe. Or at least the yes, scholars of archaeology was, yeah. were almost all in Europe. Yeah. So they needed something to help categorize. And they're like, hey, this works. Yeah. Let's use it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it took about 30 years for it to sort of spread around to the academics around Mm -hmm. Europe and then it sort of became adopted by most people he was working with these Nordic artifacts though so like the problem happened or not the problem but we got refinements and sort of variations on the system when it went to other regions like in segment two we'll talk about the sort of breakup of the Stone Age because it's such a large period and that happened through stuff that was found mostly in the UK Mm -hmm. it or by a UK archaeologist anyway. So we sort right. of got a bias based on that. So, so yeah, but it, it took, you know, 30 years or so to sort of just like spread around <laughs> and become widely adopted across European archaeologists anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, with that, I think we will take a break and then come back and talk about the Stone Age back in a minute. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
and all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome back to episode 230 of the Archaeology Show. Oh, and by the way, if you are a member of the Archaeology Podcast Network, you will get to see one of our other longtime members, if not our first member, I think she's our first member, school me on things like she always does, including why it's the Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I do appreciate that. <laughs> oh, I just would like love to stop talking about that personally. But I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I really just kind of making fun of sports ball teams and universities in general uh-huh, yeah. that like focus on sports. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anyway. We need to make a little bit of a caveat to this, just as we are throughout this entire show. All of these dates are suspect, right? Yep. They're all different depending on where you look, depending so on the resource different. you have. Yeah. Really, what we're trying to do here is not define these ages by date necessarily, yeah. but by technology. Yeah, we'll, you know? we'll throw dates out there, but just know that like there, you will be able to find somebody that disagrees with yeah. whatever we're saying. Yeah. And so you can come for us if you want, but like... We fully acknowledge that, like, these yeah. are just the best that we could find. We are simultaneously right and wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about, well, for in this first part of this segment, let's talk about the Stone Age because yeah. that is the biggest span of time, obviously, and it breaks up into lots of different little pieces. Yeah. I think, like, pretty quickly when when they realized that the original version of the three age system had such a huge chunk for stone age somebody was like mm, yeah. no we need to do better than that because it can't all be lumped into one thing it's just <laughs> too big of a time time period well and stone age technology does change through time and you need to acknowledge that it does and i think that thompson just didn't have that kind of data when he was originally doing this he maybe he didn't do the right kind of analysis or just didn't have the knowledge to do the analysis that would split up the stone artifacts that he was cataloging into different time periods probably something like that Mm -hmm. but either way as we move forward in time a little bit up until like the 1860s 1900s which is when this is really getting adopted around the world we encounter a guy named john lubbock and he is an english guy who is apparently a banker but i guess he got into this like you did the gentleman archaeology thing like you did back then you had some spare time and money and so you you start doing things that are fun like Uh, archaeology back then much (laughs) like now pretty much anybody thinks they can do archaeology if they watch the history channel and just (laughs) be like hey i'm gonna go do some stuff now but the I'm his- an amateur archaeologist. <laughs> but the History Channel back then was like the newspapers, I guess. Or like a journal. Or a journal. Yeah. 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 But but he, I mean, he had a great point here, though. Like he wanted to split up the Stone Age into something that was more digestible, smaller chunks. And he's the one who kind of coined the terms Paleolithic, Mesolithic, and Neolithic. And that yeah. is how you subdivide the Stone Age. And those are basically Latin for old, middle, and new, mm-hmm. or lower, middle, and higher, yeah. <laughs> depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to give some caveats to him as well. There's always caveats with these old archaeologists, right? Yeah. Like, or these, I mean, forefathers, forerunners of archaeology. I don't know. But he did do a really cool thing by bringing in cultural anthropology because he was looking at, in his day, the modern, modern, you know, quote unquote, modern yeah. indigenous peoples of his day and the non non metallic populations and mm-hmm. comparing them with what he was finding in the archaeological record to help draw some conclusions, which is a really good idea to understand how 
people in the past would have been using tools if they have similar cultures to present day yeah. populations. However, <laughs> the words he used to describe these modern populations <laughs> that he was studying were things like savage and primitive. And he also had some pretty like racist and elitist things to say about these cultures. So like that part of his, I don't know, contribution is definitely not good. Yeah. But he is a product of his time. But still, we need to acknowledge that that is not how we look at those types of societies. We shouldn't have then and we definitely don't now. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Either way, the subdivisions that he came up with stuck around and we're still using them today. Mm -hmm. And again, we have, depending on where you're at regionally, there may be many, many subdivisions within these subdivisions. Mm -hmm. So sub subdivisions, if somebody comes up with a, you know, a new span of time that has something, they're probably going to put some sort of age or something on it. Mm -hmm. And and that's how it's going to be. Yeah. So the current oldest one we still have is, again, this date has probably changed even this year, mm -hmm. but 3.4 million to 300,000 years before present. And that's the yeah. lower Paleolithic. Yeah. And it literally means lower stratigraphically. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. If you're going to dig into this. Right. Totally. Yeah. And then from that period, 300,000 to about 50,000 years ago, you've got the middle Paleolithic. And then from 50,000 to 10,000 years, you have the upper Paleolithic. Mm -hmm. And then you get into the middle and the new, which is 10,000 to 7,000 BCE Mesolithic and 7,000 to 5,000 BCE Neolithic. Yeah. Ooh. All right. That's yeah, a lot. I know. And again, these are dates that we pulled from various sources we were looking at. Yeah. I think this one in particular, I really enjoyed the Archaeosoup episode about mm -hmm. this. And Archaeosoup has been um, affiliated with the APN too. We we put his audio on a feed for him. I don't know if that's happening now, but either way, his videos on YouTube are so great. And yeah. if you want just like a basic primer on what the ages mean, we definitely really recommend going and watching his video. We have got it linked in the show notes. And it's just like a really great, you know, basic coverage of what the three-part system means, where it comes from, and everything that we're talking about today, but with visuals. Yeah, and just in case you can hear, our air conditioner just kicked on right over our heads. We're in an excessive heat warning. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's already 79 degrees. Gonna keep that on. Excessive. Excessive. <laughs> All right. You don't want to see me shiny. My makeup artist couldn't make it in today. So anyway, the three-part age system, like you said, relative per region, but you know, things can be really different in different regions, right? Yeah. And one of the examples for that, I mean, the Stone Age is an obvious one and it's just all over the place. But one of the ones I really like is the Bronze Age because the Bronze Age is probably the narrowest of the regions. Yeah. And and in some places it doesn't even exist. The narrowest of the ages. The narrowest of the ages, yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah. And in some places it doesn't even exist, right? Yeah. So Stone Age is huge and then you get into the Bronze Age and then you get into the Iron Age. Mm -hmm. Now, lots of societies had an Iron Age. Mm-hmm. Because iron is one of the more ubiquitous elements in our in the Earth's crust, mm -hmm. you know. And once you learn how to work that and figure it out, well, it becomes a pretty valuable, you know, part of your toolkit. Mm -hmm. And copper is also relatively abundant. Like there's copper all over the place. Mm -hmm. But what's not all over the place is tin, and that's how we're going to talk about some of these little differences right here. Yeah, and you need tin and copper in order to, to make, make bronze. bronze, right? Yeah, yeah. You mm -hmm. can smelt copper by itself, of course. I'm gonna guess is something that is prevalent all over Europe? 
Northern Europe specifically? Tim, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Um, so we'll look at that here in a second. But uh, mm. one of the ones I wanted to talk about was the Chalcolithic, which you might hear about in your research. Mm. Chalcolithic. That's C H A L C O lithic. Yeah, I, and I've heard, I struggled with that word a little bit. I've heard it pronounced Chalcolithic too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. so I'm not really mm. sure what the actual proper pronunciation mm-hmm. is, but um, that literally means Copper Age. Okay. Okay. Even though the word lithic is in there. <laughs> yeah. So basically, they almost everybody, everybody, a lot of societies would have had access to copper. It's just not necessarily tin. Yes. So if they didn't have tin, then they probably were working copper. They by may itself. have smelted copper. Maybe. It was difficult to work with. Yeah. Yeah. And they had to be mined, of course, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. But this obviously follows the Neolithic or the Stone Age or whatever Stone Age is previous to that in your particular mm-hmm. area that you're talking about. And it precedes the Bronze Age typically. Because mm-hmm. uh, people didn't often go from just nothing to bronze, right? right? Because bronze yeah. is copper and tin. You're probably yeah. going to work with one before you work with the other. Well, and again, There's all no the... tin age, though. Yeah. <laughs> and all the artifacts that developed during the Stone Age, yeah. pottery, beads, glass in some cases, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. they moved forward no matter what type of weapon or tool these societies yeah. were using. Yeah. They didn't just stop using pottery and all the other things. So all, you got to imagine all of that was also present yeah. for the next... Uh, we'll get into why this is a problematic wording but the next like level of age essentially that's right yeah yeah and copper well again the the Chalcolithic or Chalcolithic is characterized by the increased use of smelted copper, not just like raw copper. Mm-hmm. But again, it's not present anywhere. And one of those notable places is Russia. Yeah. And I I have to believe that one of the reasons, and I, I did see a map of like copper resources today, and Russia doesn't have, I mean, Russia has its fair share of copper resources. They're not mm-hmm. all over the place, given the size of the country, but they do have a lot. But I'm willing to bet most of it was almost impossible to get to, because it was like under frozen tundra or straight up oh, ice. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but so. people are... You know, they figure out how to get the things that they need. So. Yeah, but 2,000, 3,000 years ago, that would have been pretty tough to pull <laughs> out of the ground. That would have been a big ask. Yeah, yeah. that would have been mm-hmm. a lot. So yeah. anyway, and, and also during most of these copper ages, stone tools were also in use pretty heavily mm-hmm. uh, alongside of those, right? There mm-hmm. wasn't a, a one-for-one switch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's what we're talking about here is a lot of cultures didn't even have a Bronze Age because of the the lack of ability availability of tin. Now, mm-hmm. in Asia, Europe, Africa, Australia... There was hardly any tin, right? Europe had a lot of tin. Yeah. Southeast Asia had a lot of tin. Okay. But in the rest of them, there was no tin. There's no tin. And they had to trade for that. So that's one of the reasons why, obviously, Europe had a pretty healthy Bronze Age. Southeast Asia had a pretty healthy Bronze Age. But, you know, the rest of Asia traded with them Mm -hmm. for tin. Mm -hmm. And they they were able to have, you know, a Bronze Age, so to speak. Yeah. Even Northern Africa was able to have a Bronze Age because people up there traded traded for tin, right? right. And they were Mm -hmm. able to make bronze artifacts. Mm -hmm. But, like, Southern Africa, you don't find any Bronze Age. Australia didn't even know bronze existed. Yeah. Neither Um, did the America's really either. Well, right? America's mm-hmm. did have bronze. Oh, they did. Yeah, northern North America did not. There was not a lot of tin sources, and it again, it's it could be due to the weather and the inaccessibility of some of that uh-huh. stuff. Not to say it didn't have it; they just couldn't get to it. Yeah, I don't know that for sure though. But Mesoamerica, so you know. Mexico on down mm-hmm. a little bit. From about 1200 to 1521, they did have about a, a mm. Bronze Age, mm-hmm. but where, again, we're talking about predominantly bronze artifacts being produced. Yeah. And then in South America, there is some evidence, well, they did definitely have Bronze Ages, but mm-hmm. there's some evidence that it could go back as far as 2000 BCE in Bolivia, mm. because there's some scant evidence about that. So, mm-hmm. But it was widespread for sure in South America by 800 BCE, yeah, either yeah. through direct mining or more than likely trading. Okay. Yeah. Because it was still resource intensive. Yeah. You know, so you, if you could trade for it, you're mm-hmm. better off doing that than trying to get it yourself. Yeah, yeah. But of course, you're going to pay the price. Mm-hmm. So the 
if you're going to consider that the Americas had a Bronze Age, because they there is some evidence that they used it and mined it and mm-hmm. created tools with it. But the the date ranges are going to be completely different because oh, yeah. they they just weren't developing at the same yeah. the same same times as Europe and the rest of the world was partly because of that like inaccessibility you know like that there just weren't people there yeah. as early as there were in the rest of the world so but d- 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 it means do you call it a Bronze Age there or is right. it just something totally different and this is where it's like do we use the same terminology in a different place in the world? Well, it's always interesting to me how different cultures used these technologies in different ways too. Like mm-hmm. the, the bronze age leading into the iron age. I mean, it made Europe essentially the world's first superpower. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue that Rome was, but as far as technology goes and, and, and along those lines, I mean, I guess Rome because Rome controlled much of Europe during that early time. Yeah, but and they were working with bronze yeah, and iron, so sure. like that makes sense that they were the first like superpower essentially. Well, yeah, but then again, Mesoamerica also had access to bronze and made mm-hmm. bronze artifacts, but it didn't. And they were a superpower in their own right, mm-hmm. but it's not like they built ships and traveled to Europe yeah. and then decided to start taking over, right? And I'm yeah. not saying that makes somebody a superpower is the ability to conquer other other, other yeah. societies, but then again, it kind of does, you know, in some ways. So. It's just interesting yeah. what they chose to do with that technology versus not. Well, you know? and it with like the Incas specifically, they they were a superpower. Like they were oh, sure. conquerors and they were constantly taking over yeah. different smaller groups in South America. They just the continent was so big and there were so many like spread out groups of people that they yeah. had enough on their hands just trying to conquer all the people that were on their landmass. They didn't yeah. need to build huge ships and go out and find other people <laughs> to right. conquer, you know? I have no doubt that they would have figured out how to do that if they if they weren't on such a large chunk of land that there was so much to do already, you know, mm-hmm. as far as the conquering goes, anyway. <laughs> it, se- it seems to me, and we're kind of getting off the rails here a little bit, Yeah, a little but bit. It, it seems to me like one of the things that separates, I would say, some of the world from Europe in particular, and even really China for mm-hmm. that part, uh, for the most part, is that that desire for exploration, right? Mm. The, the exploration for exploration's sake, having the ability to, I guess, not just survive and live, not that even the Incas were doing that or the, the Incans or, or Mesoamericans, because they were, you know, they definitely had their leisure time, they had cities, they had things like that, but... But did they explore in the same way? You know, not in yeah. the way that port cities did. Port cities became so huge, probably because of the Roman Empire and its need to expand. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's easier to just access lots of places by water. So port cities developed, which means shipping technology developed really fast. Yeah. And once you had iron, I mean, the sky was the limit. You could yeah. really build these big ships. And even though they're out of wood, they're held together by iron nails and, and other things. And it just made it so... You know, you could build bigger, go bigger, and explore further. And there just wasn't a need for that in Mesoamerica. Or we just don't have evidence of it. Well, like maybe, we'd see something. They don't have big port cities. Well, no. I mean, the ships, obviously not. But maybe the exploration, like you're talking about, took place right. in a different way. And it just didn't involve ships. It, you didn't, know? It, it didn't involve a technology they needed to explore. Well, but yeah. if it was all land-based exploration. Because like I yeah. said, you know, the Mediterranean, with the way that it it gives access to all of the different land in Europe and Northern Africa mm-hmm. and then, you know, Eurasia and stuff like that, you kind of need a ship to get around because if you don't, 
you're just hiking for miles or in a camel train for miles or wherever it is that Mm -hmm. you're coming from. But with South America, it's that more linear situation. And I don't know. I just feel like they could do a lot of exploring without needing a ship at all. Still a lot of walking. It's a lot of walking. But yeah. Yeah. True. Anyway. I don't know. It's all speculation, right? Because we don't have any evidence of it one way or another. (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk about some criticisms of this system on the other side of the break. Back in a minute. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the final segment of the Archaeology Show, episode 230. The Stone, Iron, and Bronze Age. And if we were characterizing our segments, we would now be in the Iron Age. <laughs> so, But we'll talk about why you shouldn't do that in just a minute. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we wanted to talk about basically the criticisms of the system. And part of this is just because it's a system that was developed almost 200 years ago. And it was very simplistic for that time. Or it was fine for that time, but it's simplistic for now, yeah. given how much more knowledge we have about the world and prehistory and everything so it's one of those things that's in constant evolution it is yeah it has to be but you know who's not in evolution journalists and people that write the titles for for articles and other people who like to just keep using those phrases and i get it they are very clickbaity right like when Mm -hmm. you see bronze age you think you know immediately what they're talking about, even though actually it could mean like a whole range of things. So maybe well, it's dangerous because you think you know immediately what they're talking about. Here's the problem, though, is when you do see that, when somebody says Stone Age, that that has a certain connotation. But if somebody does say Bronze Age or Iron mm-hmm. Age or something like that, what do they intend for you to know? That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Because yeah. are they intended to say, oh, so you know what time period this is? Because nobody knows when the Bronze Age was in France. I know. The whole like, thing that started this was like, what are the actual like age yeah. ranges for those? And it turns out there is no answer to that question. Not really. There's a lot of variability, <laughs> even yeah. even in close approximation, you know, yeah. to, to different societies. So, But I think what it really should tell you is what the technological level of the yeah. civilization was, yeah. right? So if they're working bronze, that means they're mining t- copper, they're mining tin, they have mm-hmm. the technology to and the know-how of, of physics and chemistry yeah. to put those two to together yeah. and, and just make something, you know, that's good, which means they have specialization of technologies. Mm-hmm. You've got blacksmiths. Uh, not, I don't know if they're called blacksmiths when it's not iron. I think it is. Mm, I don't know yeah. if they called them blacksmiths back then, but you have people working these things, which means special facilities to do that, special technologies themselves to do that. And, 
you know, these people all also probably don't have to go out and tend their own fields and crops. They're probably trading. Yeah, it's their job. Like yeah, they're this, probably their trading or buying. Their job is to create this metal right. or these tools or whatever they're doing yeah. with it. So, so this tells yeah. you a lot about the society, the society. itself, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily tell you the when, which is, that's how journalists typically use it, is for a it's when. It's for a when, but it shouldn't be. But not a how and a why. Yeah, it should be the technology, yeah. not the when. Right. So that, I think, is the shift that it... If, if you take away nothing else from listening mm-hmm. to this episode, like take away that it's not about the win, it's about the technology yeah. and what they're capable of. No, we talk about relative dating all the time. And yeah. that doesn't mean, you know, you're in the South and you're dating your relatives. What that means is, it means you are... Oh <laughs> she's from you're the South. You're just like so <laughs> insistent on offending somebody in every episode. That's right. Me... You know, Ohioans, whoever. You just got to offend them, right? I'm just saying, your family's (laughs) close, and we're going to leave it at that. No, I'm just kidding. They're not even Southern. (laughs) They're really not. Anyway, so relative dating. If you want to look at it, like if you see an article that says Bronze Age, you see an article that says Iron Age, you can generally assume that the Iron Age was later than the Bronze Age, so closer to us, mm-hmm. right? But again, that might not really be true. It might not be true. If the, if the yeah. Bronze Age was in Southeast Asia, that you're looking at the article, and the Iron Age was in you know, Europe, yeah. right? So those could be two very different things. But mm-hmm. for that area, regionally, you can tell that it's probably a little bit later in time technologically for that area as well, mm-hmm. if it's the Iron Age, or it's not if it's the Bronze Age or yeah. you know, something like that. Stone Age always means long time ago the using stones yeah. and there's a definitely an image in your brain of that mm-hmm. but the other two i think are hard and then all the others that are in between yeah well the first thing that we have on our list here of of the criticisms of the system and we've talked about this a couple times in the previous segments but it is very eurocentric and mm-hmm. you really just can't apply it to the entire world as we talked about in particular it just does not work for the americas and africa asia and Australia, which is, you know, basically the rest of the world. I think I just like listed off all the other continents, all the continents. that have humans on them. Yeah. You know, so it just it just doesn't work. Like like you said, there was kind of a Bronze Age in the Americas, but it was totally different and only in certain places. It just mm-hmm. doesn't apply broadly to the continent. It doesn't apply to a lot of Asia. So we don't yeah. need to repeat ourselves here in segment two. We went over that, but it just it's not something that can be broadly applied everywhere. Right. So. Again, going back to journalists, I'm sorry to really pick on journalists, but they are the ones who <laughs> bring this information to the world. You have to, if you see a, a an article title that mentions one of these three ages, and it's referring to somewhere other than Europe, that journalist hasn't done their research, right. and they don't understand that it, even Stone Age. I mean, I know Stone Age can kind of apply to basically anywhere in the world if you start thinking about it. But the system itself is meant to apply to Europe. So if you right. see it applied to somewhere else in the world, then that person who wrote that sentence did not do their research to understand that. And I would say two of the biggest places where it shouldn't be applied is is probably Australia mm-hmm. and North America. Yeah. Because you know what? You never hear of an age in North America like Native Americans – you know, they didn't really start working metals mm-hmm. uh, for the most part in, in the United States area and even up into Canada, of course, especially. They didn't start working metals until they were exposed to it by Europeans. Yeah. Right. So they didn't just, they didn't just come into that on their own yeah. like some other cultures did. It wasn't so, a development situation right. where they got there. So technically, yeah. Native Americans were in the Stone Age up until, you know, three, mm-hmm. four hundred years ago, mm-hmm. which isn't exactly true. It's not exactly <laughs> it's accurate. It's not a good characterization. And, and like we said in the first segment, the... The original idea behind it wasn't, it was about the technology, but also about all the artifacts around the technology. 
And we know that the Native Americans in North America, because you and I have talked about that a lot. We've done most of our work in North America. They had some insanely advanced technologies here. Yeah. They just hadn't quite gotten to metal yet. So to... To characterize them because of that. Yeah, to characterize some of these groups that had really advanced technology as just Stone Age is the wrong idea. But also to look at the Stone Age and say, oh, it's just the Stone Age is is another wrong idea. All of it's just wrong. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I mean, it does does help to put time periods on these things. And don't get me wrong, as as far as the United States goes, we have so many time periods. Yeah. Right? So many time periods. And I may get this a little bit wrong because I'm not a middle United States, Midwestern, I guess, archaeologist technically. I have worked in the Midwest as you have too. Mm -hmm. But like the woodland area, uh, the woodland time periods. Right. There's, there's a number of those first off. Yeah. But woodland often refers to the the widespread use of pottery. Yeah. And then you've got other, other regional names and it's even like projectile points, you know, Mm -hmm. arrowheads and things like that. You can have the same type of arrowhead across the country, but it's going to be called something different in every Mm -hmm. single region. Right. Yeah. The shape will be the same because the shapes, there's not, there's just not that many shapes that get the job done in a really, (laughs) really great way. So, you know, that's why you see Clovis technology all across the entire country. We don't want to get off the rails again. That'll put us right off the rails. (laughs) Clovis and Folsom are the two that really, really weird me out because you do find those across both continents, the North America and South America, but they're called the same thing. They are called the same thing. It's probably because they're so rare and they weren't weren't independently discovered a lot of times. They were discovered, published, and then somebody said, well, I found one of those. Yeah. But all the other stuff, we've been doing archaeology in this country for, you know, 120, 30 years or more. Mm Mm-hmm. And people independently, without being able to see national publications and the internet, yeah. found independent things, called it that, and Gave regionally it stuck. Names. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so nobody came up with something else. And it's the same thing with the ages, so to speak, that we have, or the the eras, I should say. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, they're not even eras. That's too long. What do we call that? The time periods. Yeah, just time periods. Cultural time yeah. periods. Mm-hmm. And, and the way we define those time periods are different in all the places, too. It's not mm-hmm. always based on stone technology. It's not always based on, you know pottery or you know how you live or something like that it's based on whatever the researchers in that area want it to be based on right and you just have to learn that learn the times yeah and then understand what they're talking about i personally hate it when somebody says oh this dates to the middle woodland the hell does I'm that like, mean what? Yeah. why like, don't you say it in a way young people where, understand yeah where are you and what does that mean exactly you know yeah it's just it's, <laughs> it's very elitist i think well it is and it's it's again like you said it's about the technology that they had so like using the word woodland just separates yourself as an academic from the rest of the world if you just said oh it was a you know, somewhat advanced society that was making pottery. Now, this more words. Maybe it's because it's more words to say all of that than just saying woodland. I don't know. Well, but, what what gets me too is you know we go to these like national archaeology conference like the Society for American Archaeology, and you might have somebody that is a, a Pacific Northwestern archaeologist or a you know New England archaeologist or something like that. And sure, just through their reading, they may know what woodland means. And I'm really picking on woodland here. I, I, I know be. it's. I'm. I'm just only because on it. it's a word that we recognize. Yeah, and it's really it's really only used in the Midwest and yeah. actually in the Southeast and as well. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So, but like I said, unless you work in those areas and you're deeply embedded in it, if you're just having a casual conversation with even another archaeologist or academic and those people are, you know, they work in the coastal California and you're going to say woodland, they're they're not going to know what the hell you're talking about. It's different there. Yeah. Yeah. So why not, why not, you know, come up with terms that, that make a little more sense. And that's where I think stone bronze and iron age really come into play yeah. because that does tell you something about the culture. Yeah. Again, the dates are different, yep. but it tells you something that makes sense because yeah. they're very descriptive terms. Yeah. What the hell does woodland mean? Actually, yeah, <laughs> from that perspective, having it be kind of broad like yeah. that does actually make sense. And it's the technology itself, not just the 
the place or the regional name that popped up in some place yeah. and then got applied around an area. So, yeah. Like, totally. Maybe this is happening, but I've never heard of it. And I did read a whole book on Ohio archaeology before we worked there. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I would have heard of this unless mm -hmm. it was developed in the last 10 years. But something that would be more descriptive, like stone, iron, and bronze, would be like the Mound Age. There was a oh, very specific yeah. period of time when like everybody was building mounds right. in the Midwest, specifically yeah. Ohio, but mm -hmm. I mean, Tennessee, Kentucky, all around that area yeah. there, Missouri. And, and there's mounds everywhere. I mean, Ohio is just littered with mounds, yeah, especially Southern sure. Ohio. Yep. One of the other criticisms of this system is that it is a progressionist view of history. Yeah. And what we mean by that is that each age is better than the one before it. <laughs> and while they do advance, it's not, it's just, it's more nuanced than that. It's not this straight line of this to this, to this, to this, just like human evolution is not this straight line. Neither is the evolution of technologies and mm -hmm. people and civilizations and all of that. It's just, there's just so much more happening and you can't look at it as one being better or worse. It's just an unfair look at the, these groups. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't make any sense. I mean, sometimes there is the march of progress and, yeah. you know, something is fundamentally better. But is quality of life better? Are we implying that? Yeah. Not necessarily. You know, I mean, Native Americans, Native Americans would definitely argue that they had a better quality of life before Europeans showed up. Oh, I would definitely Even though they so. have, yeah. you know, the internet and PlayStation and cars now, <laughs> you know. Well, and if you're talking to Native Americans at the time of contact, of course they thought their quality of life was better. Or I would think they would have thought it was better than pre-contact. Yeah. Pre so, yeah. And another interesting thing to note is that early iron was actually an inferior metal to bronze. Yeah. So hadn't quite figured it out. Yeah. So like there would have been there had to have been another reason why they used it, and it might have been for status. Like, ooh, mm -hmm. look at this shiny, cool new thing. But it wasn't better at that time, for sure not. But then there's like you mentioned, some societies just didn't really have bronze either. So yeah. maybe iron iron was better than stone. I don't know. Again, it's not a straight line, so you can't you just can't look at one as being better than the other. It just yeah. wasn't. Yeah, I think that's that's really, you know, kind of wrapping this up, to be honest with you. Yeah. The, I think the big takeaways here are the age system is is good for relatively explaining kind of like the, the technologies of the time, mm -hmm. depending on how the age is defined. Now, when we're talking specifically about the ones in this episode, stone, bronze and iron, mm -hmm. you can you can say that, yes, they were at some point in history moving along with their technology, but that's really kind of it. Yeah. You know, culturally, you don't really know what they were doing, although you can make some inferences. Like I said, with the, if you've got a blacksmith's office, you know, or blacksmith shop mm -hmm. office, uh, office, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, going to the office <laughs> to do my blacksmithing. Um, but if you've got a blacksmith shop, you know, you, you have a definitely a different type of society than say, you know, a stone age society yeah. that, that is, you know, they have specializations, but it's yeah. not like that. Like a reduction you know? area is totally different. A yeah. core reduction area is going to be totally different from a blacksmith shop. And that's just the nature yeah. of those two technologies. And, and all the artifacts around them are also different. And they, it's just, it's, it's looking at one thing and assigning attributes to that civilization. Yeah. When really, you have to look at the entire picture. And it is simplistic, which is another of the criticisms, which we yeah. talked about. But sometimes simplifying things is kind of nice, like mm -hmm. for your brain to understand and like put things into categories. But you should know that you're doing it in a simplistic way. And yeah. that is okay. But if you want to know more, 
deep diving the society that you're interested in or that you're comparing, maybe you're comparing to and saying, well, this one was mm-hmm. Stone Age and this one was Bronze Age or whatever, then it's just interesting to look at all of the nuances around that, those yeah. people, where they lived, what they were doing rather than just like, well, this one was Stone Age, so therefore they were inferior. Like, that's just not, right. it's just not that, it's not that clear and, and cut. And cut? It is not that clear cut. <laughs> it is not clear, nor is it cut. Nor is it cut. <laughs> yes. I, I do just made me think of one thing real quick that I've never heard anybody talk about, but talking about specialization, it's interesting to think about Stone Age specialization. And we always, at least I do, and I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody else say differently. We always kind of assume that if somebody knew how to make a projectile point or some sort of tool, that they did it from start to finish. But maybe one guy was like really oh, good yeah. at redu- reducing a core yeah. and they handed it off to this other guy to like make it into a, a rough biface, yeah. you know, like a stage, you know, three or four, we would call it, give or take your, what stage system you're using. Mm-hmm. And then there's another person that was just really good at finishing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why not have mm-hmm. that kind of a specialization and, and hand it off, you know? Well, and there's also the whole like personalized idea behind it too yeah. or not personalized but specific to your situation sure where maybe you do trade for these like blanks essentially yeah that are ready to be crafted into whatever you needed you didn't make them right. you, you traded to somebody to get this blank ready to go and then you finalized it into whatever you needed it to be in the moment that you needed it so you've got yeah kind of specialization in that way as well and trade coming into the picture we're making this up completely i'm not sure if there's any <laughs> evidence of that but i could totally see that being like the way it went in stone age societies all right well ending the show with you know just like some sort of random hypothesis that has no basis in fact like how we think it might have been that definitely sounds like us sounds like a good place to go (laughs) all right well with that thanks a lot and we will see you next week bye Thanks for listening to The Archaeology Show. Feel free to comment and view the show notes on the website at www.archpodnet.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ArcPodNet. Music for this show is called I Wish You Would Look from the band Sea Hero. Again, thanks for listening and have an awesome day. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Rachel Roden. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.